0: entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi everyone, it's Nick here and welcome to another episode of Scale Up Your Business for this week. Today we are back with Entrepreneur in Focus and of all the different types of episodes that I do of Scale Up Your Business, I really love the Entrepreneur in Focus series. And the reason for that is I get to bring on amazing guests, I get to have fantastic conversations and it's an absolute privilege to be able to do that, to be able to bring those to you guys for the various lessons and things that you can learn to scale up your business. But also it's a privilege for me because I get to have these amazing one-to-one conversations with people that perhaps I couldn't get in touch with if I didn't have the podcast. And over the course of the last you know, year to 18 months, there's been some amazing people come on the show. So I'm really pleased to do that. And I hope you're getting as much value from it as I am. Now, today we have a really interesting guest. We have a man by the name of Mike c rock -rock sirocco and he's called c rock that is his nickname that's what we'll call him throughout the episode and he's got a fantastic story of entrepreneurship he's a, a motivator a facilitator a dynamic public speaker um, he's been voted, if you like, one of the top business leaders to follow in 2020 by Yahoo Finance. And he's got a really strong mission. In fact, he's the founder of a movement and the movement is called the What Are You Made Of Movement. And he's got his own podcast, which is equally as compelling, which is called What Are You Made Of? So today we're going to kind of get deep into his story. He, he says his mission, if you like, is the art of people building. And he does that with his businesses. He does that through mentoring, through coaching, but just—it's not just about that. It's about kind of what he wants to leave and what he wants to create in the world. And um, I love bringing these people on because you know, it's not—it's not that everyone has the same story. Everyone has a different story. They have different perspectives. They have different experiences. But what I love about this part of scale up your business is that you can learn something from everybody. You know, there might be one insight, one nugget that you get today, and that can change your life. And one of the things that we're going to talk about is how you turn your setbacks, the setbacks that you can have in your business, you can have in your life into rocket fuel. I mean, so that probably gives you a good inclination of what C-Rock is about. He's all fire and he's very, very committed, passionate to make things happen. And I think we could all take a little bit of that into our own lives when we're trying to achieve big goals. So before C-Rock joins me today, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been downloading subscribing getting as much as you possibly can from scale up your business if you haven't yet subscribed or you haven't left a review please do so it always helps the program helps the channel keeps me inspired and motivated because I like to see more and more people hearing the message getting the help getting the value and that keeps me going so please do that and if you haven't joined the scale up your business community um, as I said it's been going now for a few weeks Uh, really really powerful community I want to get that as big as I possibly can because I know the more people who are there the more people who are asking questions engaging helping people is going to make a massive difference to to my mission which is to help people build stunning businesses so they can create freedom build wealth and live a life without limits so that's it for today c-rock's coming on get ready for it and as i always say be grateful be brave have faith and show up bye for now Hi everybody, it's Nick here and welcome to another episode of Scale Up Your Business. Today I am delighted to have with me C-Rock, Mike Sirocco. Welcome to the show.
1: What's up, Nick? Good to see you again, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, so we met a few weeks back. I was a guest on his awesome podcast, the What Are You Made Of podcast, and you you put me in the ringer, mate. You asked me all lots of tough questions, got me kind of you know burying my soul to all of your listeners across America and the world. So guess what? It's my turn.
1: Let's go, man. Let's go. <laughs> I, hey, I, you owe me.
0: Ah, let's do it. All right, mate. Listen, you, you've got you've done a whole heap of different stuff. So you know, um, public speaker, awesome podcast. One of the things I know that you're massively into is building teams. In fact, the way you reference it is building people. So this is Scale Up Your Business. I want to talk today about culture, leadership, values. How do you know if someone's right in your business? How do you make that decision? Because you know you're you've got a great track record of building businesses, driving growth, entrepreneurship, all that sort of stuff. So I'd love to kind of hear your playbook. So let's get into that. But before we do, first question for you is let's let's know more about you, C Rock. So who are you? What makes you tick? Um, let's get my audience understanding about who you are.
1: Well, you want to know what I'm made of? Is that what you're asking me?
0: (laughs) Of course. Well, I didn't want to, I didn't want to rip off the name of your show. So I'm just kind of asking around it.
1: (laughs) That's cool, man. Uh, I, uh, listen, my, my story started back when I was 11 years old. I came from a broken home. Uh, I don't remember my parents together. And like a lot of your listeners, you may have gone through that where they go through a custody battle or child support conflicts or this and that jealousy between step-parents, whatever the case is. I dealt with that as a kid. And as I'm looking back at first, I'm thinking, man, that's, you know, you could play a victim role there. Uh, But what happened was, Nick, is that I was put in situations that were very uncomfortable, awkward, uh, you know, vulnerable, and situations where blame was being tossed around a lot. So I was in basically a situation where I was kind of being uh, to me, I look trained for my future. So I chose to look at it that way. So when I was 11 years old, I had lived with my dad and my stepmom for about three years. And I went through a lot of emotional and uh, psychological abuse, dealing with the the stuff that they were dealing with amongst the conflicts with the parents. And I never knew if it was like my fault. I I felt like they were blaming me. It was taken out on me a lot. You know, my mom was being talked about a lot and just bad stuff. So I decided to get out of there. I didn't know the word culture then. Mm -hmm. I just knew that that wasn't a good environment for for me to be in and grow up in. And my dad had, you know, he's pretty well off, just like the bricks behind you. I have bricks behind me because my dad was a Mason and he owned his own company, did very well. He always had a wad of hundred dollar bills in his pocket. And, you know, I always looked up to him for the cash and, you know, I didn't know if we were, we were in the mafia or what we were. I just knew we had (laughs) not, we had good money. So uh, have you worked that out since or not? No, you know, we don't talk about that stuff. (laughs) So, yeah, fair so, uh, you know, I, I decided to do the move and I told my mom to file court papers. And when I came home from school one day, my dad had the court papers in his hand and I had walked on eggshells as it was already in that household. And when I got back from school, he said, go in your room. And I sat there, which felt like hours, days, it was really five minutes probably. And he came back and he said, you know, what's in this envelope? And I'm like, no, I knew what, what was in there. And he said, uh, you know, it says you want to move back with your mom. And, you know, I know you know that they're not as well off as we are. Are you sure you want to do that? You know, I'm going to make things right here. And Matter of fact, any, time there was conflict or fighting, my dad would always wink at me or give me a thumbs up, like behind, you know, his wife's back, this and that. Hey, man, it's going to be all right. Just hang in there. I got this. But he never did. He never stepped up to the plate to do that. And so I'd made that decision. I had just done. I was done. I was sticking to my guns. I said, yeah, I want to move with my mom. So he pulled out that wad of hundred dollar bills that I looked up to him for, peeled a hundred dollar bill off, crumpled it up. And he threw it at me and said, here, you're going to need this when you're living on the streets with your mother one day. And you know, that, that happened to an 11 year old kid for for anybody that would be rough. Right. But I'm an 11 year old kid thinking to myself, you gotta be kidding me. Like, this is really happening right now. Like my dad, my, like you're not going to stand up for me. And so really what went through my mind though, besides just being crushed for a moment, I thought to myself, you know what? That's not going to happen. You're not going to be right. I'm not going to need that money. And a fire was lit. And then the second thing that went through my mind is I can't be the only one in this situation. There's got to be other people that were giving up on. And I'm going to show those people you could be successful despite what you go through. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, Nick. Um, I, I just knew that the first step was just to be a role model and do it myself so that I could be an example for others. So I always strive to do anything I could, man, if it was work, school. Uh, uh, sports. I tried to be the best and hustle and be the first to get things done. And, you know, I was mainly trying to prove something to him, right? Did you work that out? I mean, because
0: my, to be frank, really, really open and honest, my upbringing was very similar, mate. I didn't quite realize the connection, similar stuff. You know, my my dad left when he was early, when I was younger, but, you know, I had to go through the same sort of psychological thing. I didn't realize at the time. So my question to you is, as an 11 year old kid, you must've had so many emotions going on. is this a hindsight thing you look back now and go, God, you know, that was a gift. This is where I learned how to have this fire. And at the time you just kind of had to make do and just try and, you know, do the best you could.
1: Yeah, man. I mean uh, we actually were able to rekindle our relationship for a period of time. Um, But something went off track again and it was, you know, I don't like to talk bad about it. This is hard to tell a story to impact people and inspire other people without air and dirty laundry, so to speak. But I had to tell this because it's going to help more people than it's going to hurt. So, um, for some reason, my stepmother was jealous of my mom a lot, of course. And then for some reason, she took things out on my wife, who my wife is the sweetest girl in the world, never did anything bad, but my wife made a, this is the stuff that I had to deal with as a kid, just so you know, this is why business is easy for me. Um, but, uh, my, my, my my wife made a banana cream pie for my son and put it on Facebook one day. My stepmom got mad that there was a banana cream pie on Facebook that was made that wasn't for my dad. Like she she reached out and then that was it. That was the last I ever heard from him. I sent him birthday messages, Christmas, never hear from him. And so it's just the craziest thing. So I'm dealing with this as, a, as an adult. I'm 43 years old now. So this is 30 some years I've been dealing with this. Matter of fact, I tell this story to inspire people. I don't have any other reason but to help people show that no matter what you go through, you can be successful. And I'm still getting like messages from her that go to my company and stuff like, Oh, you better be quiet. Stop doing this and stop telling your story. And this and not trying to quiet me. And I'm not, I'm just going to speak up more to help more people. So this is the kind of stuff that I go through. However, anything that you can think of in business, whether it's people problems, money problems, any of that stuff is a breeze to me.
0: You know what? First and, first and foremost, thanks for sharing the story, right? And I know the first time you kind of do it, it, can feel a bit uncomfortable. I know you've been telling your story for a while now to inspire people. And I'm in the same place. It's funny, you know, as you were saying that last piece, I still get, you know, people back home in Australia, you know, trying to pull it down, trying to pull me down saying, why are you out there saying this stuff? You know, there's some, some stuff there. We don't want you to say that. We don't want your message out there because for whatever reason, it makes us look Bad, it makes us look whatever and i and i i believe this i say it back i say you know what it was a gift it was a gift because you know what i didn't know it at the time but the fire that i have to drive grow businesses help people scale do all the stuff i've done i probably wouldn't have had that if things were so comfortable you know i don't know i'm only guessing but i know that i've got a bit of a chip on the shoulder here And I need to make a difference
1: because of that stuff that happens. And it sounds exactly like you're in the same place. Now, listen, when I was 11, I got to give credit where credit's due. I had a stepfather. You know, he was very hard on us, never hit us or anything like that, but very hard, black and white, right is right, wrong is wrong. And at 11 years old, when I left my dad's, by the way, speaking of when that happened, the $100 bill story, I didn't leave that house right away. I had to stay in that house. So imagine this awkward situation. I had to stay in that household while they were going through the court stuff. So I dealt with some crazy stuff. And again, that just, I, I do. I say, thank you. I don't know if I'm thanking my dad. I don't know if I'm thanking the situation. I don't know what I'm thanking. I'm just thankful that I was built. So when I was 11 and moved back with my mom, she had married a guy named George. And my George was my stepdad, but he was the most passionate person you've ever meet. If you talked about American baseball, if you talked about hunting, fishing, crabbing, because uh, we do crabbing here. I don't know if you guys do that where you are, but uh, blue crabs. It's a, a, a delicacy here in Maryland in the United States. But if you brought that up, he would go nuts, like get all excited and, and light, lighten up. So I was thankful at 11 years old when I was getting ready to turn into a man that I had somebody there that was going to show me right from wrong and, and guide me because I don't know, actually, I might have taken the wrong road at that point. And so, you know, I had that. Now, a year ago, George passed away suddenly from a heart attack. And let me tell you what happened then. So I always had this fire. I was always going after it. But I didn't really have a clarity and I wasn't aware that I was really driving off of that stuff. George passed away and I really felt this. My, my brother will tell you too, my little brother, I felt a passion all of a sudden come inside of me. Like it left him and came into me. And within the first week of him passing, which was a very sudden thing in the middle of the night we, we, we were shocked by, I, I said to myself and I started writing down on my goal in my journal book, the world better look out now because I'm on fire. Like I, I, I became aware of everything, and I, I just the clarity came to me, and then all of a sudden, like everything's been on fire since then. The podcast blew up, my business blew up, people are like just coming in droves to me, asking me to like help them, and I'm just blown away by it. But it's all because <laughs> of the energy that's being transposed out from
0: man from that man. The par- the parallels are so weird. Again, this is this is your interview, but I'll just share context. My father passed away suddenly. Um, we, we came back into my life and then he passed away very, very suddenly of cancer. And I had exactly the same experience. It was almost like, you know, I got, I, I'd learned so much in the space of time I had back with him. I now need to take that energy and I need to do something good with it. And it was it was a different expression to how you expressed it. it. Didn't feel like it came into me, but it was at that point in time that I stopped my kind of day job, my kind of corporate career, my private equity stuff. It's at that point in time, I started the podcast and that's now probably what 18 months, two years later, a little bit more. And everything just exploded. Bizarre, man. Bizarre.
1: Yeah. You know, I guess there's no, no, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's the the ingredients, I guess, that go into what we're doing, right. you know, it must be something you need to get it. I think sometimes
0: you need to have these situations hit you. Right. And sometimes they hit you from left field. Sometimes, you know, they're coming, you know, and it takes a little while to accept them, but once they hit you and you feel it, everything changes. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean?
1: Yeah. And, and so dealing with that as a young, youngster and, also, I've been around a lot of alcoholism and mental things in different parts of my families. i realized that people need to be built. Like people building is important. So I, I do mortgages, home loans for a living. I have a company that I run a division of over in the States. And if I focused just on the mortgage part of it, we wouldn't be successful. We might have some marginal success. But when I shifted to understanding to build people, everything changed, Nick. It was crazy, man. It, and, and, To the point where we had explosive growth like 800% year over year. That's just like, that doesn't happen, man.
0: No, it doesn't. Let's get into this now because I want to understand your definition of
1: build people. So what what do you mean by that? So, you know, people have issues with, uh, I have eight areas that I talk about, okay? And these eight areas, there's different levels of uh, weaknesses and strengths in these areas. But we look at confidence or charisma. I think they go hand in hand. And we look at that and see where people rank on a scale of one to five. Feel you know We go through it and say, okay, confidence, charisma, we ask them, what do you think? How do you feel? We also can give them our opinion if we know them, but it's more important that they admit what they feel. If they're confident, mm-hmm. if they're not, they're just putting on a show. So we need to work on confidence. That's one of the main issues that people have in sales and in business is, in talking to people is they're not confident or they don't feel confident. So that's the first thing. Resilience is another one. Now, what are you made of? The What Are You Made Of movement and podcast is all about one dominating rule, which is turning setbacks, negativity, and letdowns into rocket fuel for your future. That's all about resilience. So resilience is a big topic that we talk about. You know as well as I do when you're an entrepreneur, startup, no matter where you are in business, that you're going to have setbacks.
0: Yep. That's part of the ride, as it, it, I call it, the roller coaster. Yeah, you have yeah. the high
1: points and you have the low points. That's part of it. But think about this for a second. If you can wrap your mind around the fact that everything you go through, everything, good and bad, is a training session for your future. And to use the negative ones and the setbacks as rocket fuel. Just think to yourself when you're coming across it, no emotion, don't get fired up about it or anything like that, no negative emotion. Just say, okay, oh, great, I got some fuel now. I needed this fuel. This is coming at me at the right time because I needed my tank filled up. And when you do that and you start being aware of that concept, it changes everything. And so resilience is a big one we talk about. Um, and by the way, as I go through this, stop me if you have any questions. Leadership. You mentioned leadership before the show. Leadership is number three for me. Um, I believe that every position in the company needs to demonstrate leadership. And you know, I think even new, new employees have a role in leadership because when they come in, they're fired up, they're passionate, they're excited. And they show the people that have been there a while what you're supposed to be doing with your attitude for the most part. So there's leadership in every position. And, le- and leadership
0: just on that one. Leadership is not a title, right? So le- leadership is an attitude, it's behaviors, it's a mindset.
1: No, leadership. So a title is a position, right? Yep. Leadership is how do you influence people or do you influence people? Right? It's um, you know, what capabilities do you have to be efficient uh and, and accomplish things? Um are you doing what you're supposed to do above and beyond? Are you making yourself valuable to people? Like the, the, the bottom line is, is that if you can show people what to do and how to do it by example, not just by telling them or being in a position or, or, or a title, that's what leadership is to me. And you know what? Okay. Another thing with this is that since leadership mostly is influence, sales is a form of leadership. Mm-hmm. You're leading your customers in the direction to help them make a decision. So sales has a negative connotation a lot of times, but leadership doesn't. And so yeah, I that's would, an interesting point. I like to link those two.
0: No, I agree with you. And I think sometimes one of the one of the biggest challenges I find when I work with entrepreneurs and business owners is they they have this kind of mindset that selling is bad. Selling is manipulation or trying to kind of, you know, convince someone to buy something they don't really need. And half the time, if you think about sales as service, You know, it just changes the psychology. So I like what you said about
1: that. Absolutely. I agree with it. Yeah, it's changed the uh, game for the people in my organization that had a negative connotation for sales. I started talking about, look, lead your customers, lead your clients in the direction to help them make a decision. So uh, that was good. Uh, Number four, emotional response, analytical versus reactive. In our business, in the mortgage industry, we could have appraisals come in low, inspection problems on houses that kill deals, problem customers whatever the case is, money issues that the customer spends their money before they they buy the house. And when that happens, you know, it's very upsetting to a lot of people, especially ones that have a small pipeline, but we have to train people on how to analyze the situation and understand what's going on and keep the emotion out of it because the emotion sets people back days or even months in in their process. So we really want to focus on those things as well. Uh, Number five, uh, 4 and 5 go together, kind of mental, mental mindset. Um, yep. obviously that's that goes without saying. 6, we even get into spiritual. Now, people have okay, people have cool. people have different beliefs. And I don't want to impinge on anybody's belief. But for me, it's something that somebody you have to have some kind of idea that you know that you're not just a body. There's there's something inside of you, some kind of spiritual energy that you have to you have to develop And so we talk about that. And again, we don't get into religion. We don't get in it because it's it's very sensitive to talk about that. But we have to stress the importance of it because it's a belief that I have. Uh, Number seven, physical, keeping yourself in shape, eating properly, you know, putting the right fuel in your body. Obviously, that goes without saying you're going to perform better. You're a machine. And number eight is financial, understanding finances, because You know, I'm, I'm mentored by Grant Cardone and Grant always talks about the fact that 76% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And also, which correlates with that is 70 some percent of people are disengaged from their jobs and disengaged from their work. So if you put that hand in hand and you can really get people to understand that they need to focus on income inflow rather than expenses as much, you still have to worry about expenses, but more focus and concentration on inflow and understanding why money's important understanding that it's your duty to be successful not just to pay your bills but to be able to help other people um that changes everything as well so it shifts that mindset so people aren't just trying to get by they're trying to excel and so those yeah, are the see, eight- i've got yeah interesting i've got some questions around around how you apply this in a second
0: but I just want to make a comment on the last piece because i've got this um this belief as well that half the time you how people kind of have this this um this way of living where you know they, they're desperate for the next holiday and then they're working in a job they hate, and they're spending money on almost like instant gratification, because they hate what they're doing in their day to day so much. <laughs> and so then you get into this perpetual cycle that they don't save any money because they have to spend on crap they don't need just to get them through every day, because they're living a life which is has no purpose. Yep. And that's the thing I find really. I mean, it's bra- it takes you know being brave to be able to step out of that. But you know, if you do that, that's where you get all the rewards.
1: Well, it all starts with having a vision and goals of what you want. So if you were to ask your employees or you ask anybody, if you found a genie lamp in a desert and you rub the side and the genie pops out and it gives you three wishes and you can have anything you want, there's no limitations, anything. What would those three things be? Whether how you would want to live your life, what kind of life you would want to live, what kind of job, how much money you would want, where you would want to live, whatever it is. And 95% of people that ask that, that question is asked to do not know the answer. So if you have nothing to look forward to and no hope, of course, you're going to be looking for your next vacation or your next to buy something, some garbage and waste money. So that's where it starts. And, and when, Nick, when you figure that out and you're very clear on what you want in life and, and with not setting any limits on it either, then you get excited And then you need to go to work with purpose and you're not just going to a job or work and you're not trying to work for your boss or work for the company. You're trying to accomplish your big giant grand vision that you set for yourself from your genie land.
0: What's the answer to those three questions for you? First of all, three wishes. Yeah.
1: First of all, uh, you know, one thing I want to do is I want to be an influencer, a thought leader in the industry that helps millions of people. And I'm specific with it right now. I have a goal to reach 5 million people this year. Um, But the thing is, is that I can't do it without getting known. And so I've really focused on the podcasting and being on other people's podcasts, but also the social media aspect of it. And I really want to help people because what happens is every time somebody comes to me and says I inspired them with my story or something that I did, I, I, I can't express how powerful that is to me. It's not even like money's great. I make great money, by the way. So I'm not worried about money. I want to make money. I have money, financial goals, because I want to help people with that. And I can't help as many people without the money. But the feeling that I get when somebody says that I inspired them, dude, it's just, it's fantastic. So that's one of the main things that I'm really striving for. Um, And the other thing is I'm looking for some kind of, I, I do know that there's some kind of validation I'm looking for from family members, maybe um is that uh, yeah unpack that a bit so validation you mean is that is that sort of
0: because you're doing what you're doing you want them to accept that Do that that matters is that what you mean well
1: more of the more of the along the lines of seeing like they know where I came from and I want to show them what's possible because you know okay. I, I think that a lot of the family members that I have and my friends by the way too have limiting beliefs Okay, they, mm, yeah, yeah. They're, and, and when I go through what I'm going through, they just don't comprehend it and I try to tell them and then and they say, oh no, that's not for me. You know, that's the crabs in the bucket. It happens all, right. it happens
0: all the time, all right. mate. I, I can't, I've got to a position now where the only way you can really get through to people is just by demonstrating what you can achieve. So I've got friends, let's say my friends, my peer group from school, I went to university with them. Still great mates, right? But if we go out for, or we used to be able to go out for drinks and dinner, as we can't anymore the conversation is now are just weird. Like they think I'm a bit weird. Like yep. kind of you, you, your whole kind of career business missions about kind of the podcast. And I go, no, no, no. You, it's not about the podcast. The podcast is simply a vehicle to get my message out there. Right. But then as soon as I start opening up that conversation, it just gets weird.
1: <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I get it. it. I can explain it to you, but uh, well, you know, to I, other people. So. I have partners and and I, I tell the story all the time too. And And one of them gets mad at me, but that's okay. Cause he just brought it up this week again. So we have the mortgage business. I decided to start a podcast to get known. We were, I was tired of trying to go after being known locally. I wanted to be known globally because the local market will take care of itself. And so when that happened, I had this idea of what I wanted to do. And then they're like, nah, nah, you got to stay in the mortgage business. Pull me back in, right? How's that going to help our mortgage business? I said, guys, listen, I'm talking to guys that have 100, 200." half a million dollar companies telling me get known podcast is a great source interview people you have you have access to people that will charge hundreds of thousands of dollars for coaching for 1 hour with them you'll be able to get them on your podcast for free and then you'll have a library of all these mentors that you can go back to and refer to operate your business but yet my 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 crabs I call them my buddies my great buddies I, I get to work with my best <laughs> friends <laughs> <laughs> well, most of them get it, but, but one in particular just, just, just still doesn't get it. And so then talking about scaling, Nick, we have, I have three guys in my company right now that are top producers, right? But they're also my partners in, in running the business. And I'm trying to, what we're, we're doing now is trying to create pods underneath of them to train other people how to do it, to get them out of the producing roles. But it is like pulling teeth to get them out of that and understand that there is no valor in doing all the work yourself. They have this thing in their mind where they got to do it themselves and they have to have their name on the leaderboard and they got to, if they're not doing the work, the menial tasks, the clerical tasks, <laughs> they don't, they don't understand not, that. Yeah. They don't understand that, that there's no valor in that. The valor is teaching other people to do it and then letting them teach other people to do it. And then so on down the line.
0: Well, it's like what um, you know, Steve Jobs used to say in that famous quote, you know, bring good people, great people into your organization and then get out of the way. The worst thing you can do is do that and try and do their jobs for them. Plus, you know, I often say, you know, for me, when I'm working with people and certainly my mission is around freedom, it's about living life on your terms. It's about stepping into who you are and becoming the best version of yourself. And and I say, you know, my mission is trying to help people achieve that same thing. Right? Being in the business day in, day out and micromanaging everything doesn't quite fit that bill. Right? So my message is quite interesting. It's probably the same for you. My message resonates with some people. who kind of get that and believe it's possible. Other people, like maybe your partners, some of my friends, they they just haven't seen it. They almost don't believe it's true. It's about like that whole Matrix thing—the red and the blue pill. They're stuck right. in this kind of programming, and it's bizarre. But like they, I think they'd love to believe it, but for whatever reason, they can't make themselves.
1: Yeah, and going back to that question about what my my genie wishes are, the validation also lies in the fact that when I told these guys, my partners, who I love to death, and they're doing great, by the way, like production-wise. I told them what I wanted to accomplish and I want what we what I want us to accomplish and I said guys if you're on board with this you got to be ready because it's going to take a lot of sacrifice there's going to be some things that you may not agree with trust that I know and I'm doing the research and I'm doing getting mentored on how to do this so there's some validation there that I have to do that sh- basically perform what I told was going to happen and so that keeps me pushing when I when I run into a tough spot or anything it's it's understanding that I have people to, val- like, to to get validation from on what I told was going to happen. Does that make sense? It does.
0: Well, it does, but it compounds over time, right? And so it's that whole saying about, you know, you do all this stuff, you know, you and I are probably similar. We kind of go out there, we do podcasts, we've got our social media stuff happening, we're guesting on other people's podcasts and any, any one activity is kind of okay. And then you have something which is, you know, massive. Like I've got a show coming up where there's a million people live going to listen to me be interviewed for 30 minutes, right? A million people. I'm like, whoa! Where did that come from? Tell you where it came from. It came from me being consistent for the last eighteen months, two years, doing what I've been doing. Right. You know what I mean? And then over time, it builds and builds and builds. And that's only I think I'm really grateful for that. It's a short period of time, but that's why. And then over over that, I think what happens is people start to notice because they can't not.
1: You know, I always operate on the the four principles of consistency. Massive frequency, massive action, and passion. Mm-hmm. And I stick with those yeah, four yeah. things all the time. And as long as I'm doing those, I know that things will pay off. Even if it doesn't seem like you're making progress, you will. There's, there, you just cannot help it. I, I would like to know how you had so much success so fast in 18 months. You've done a great job, by the way.
0: Do you know what it was? Thanks for the question and thanks for the acknowledgement. Because um, I, I, I sort of, back to what you just said beforehand about number of principles. For me, it was very similar. For me, it was um, be consistent. Be super consistent. So even if I don't think it's working, just trust the process, right? And with that, be disciplined. So again, I went out there and, and and people sort of said to me, oh, you know, I like your message. I don't like your message. I could have listened to the people who said they didn't like it and I could have changed things and I could have come somewhat schizophrenic, but I stayed 100% true to my message. And a lot of what I talk about is the skill set and the mindset of business growth. And the bit that people don't quite of expect is the mindset piece, and I go quite deep into that because I believe in that massively. So I've done that, and then I think also I've kind of even though I've had people who I'd call haters, I think the the worst thing that someone said to me was, "I want you to die by drinking the devil's urine." That was quite, <laughs> that, that was a that was a fun email. Um, <laughs> But you know what? I, I honestly believe my message is more important than any of these people who doesn't think it is. So I, I, I've put myself out there. I've been brave. I've shown up. I've said what I needed to say. I've been direct. I've been bullish. You know, I've had an opinion. I haven't just tried to do what everyone expected, and I've done that consistently, mate. And because I've done that, it started to you know raise my profile, and people are listening, and it's it's just taken off from
1: that. Right. Right. Yeah, dude. Be you. Be genuine. And uh, yeah, and you know when when people do that, like I'll get on an Instagram Live, and, and the comments that come through will blow you away. Oh. And I just again, this is the Waymo movement R- rule number one is to turn it all into fuel. And I love it. I want more of it because it means I have more fuel. So uh, yeah, I, I love that man. That's uh, your
0: message, also, awesome, mate. I love it. And you know, thank you. We were sort of thinking, you know, this whole idea of turning setbacks into rocket fuel is amazing. Let's um, let's jump back into the the principles, the eight the eight principles you had there because I love them. I think they're all. It's funny, actually. I like the way that you've got them so so well um, considered and the way you express them. What I want to kind of understand, because a lot of the listeners here are scaling businesses, a lot of them come to me and say they struggle with hiring people. How do you know, right, through the process that you've got someone who's ticking those boxes, or do you kind of get a few of them ticked in the beginning and then help them realize once they're in your business that they need to kind of understand the rest? How how does that work?
1: A lot of times people are looking for seasoned professional producers. I don't want that. I think you have to shift what you're looking for. I want people that are willing to learn, have a great attitude and a work ethic. Those three things is what I look for. When I find those three things, I know I can take care of the rest. I'm confident in that. So I think that first of all, you have to shift your focus on looking for the right three things. And then from there, uh, when I, I interviewed somebody yesterday and I get a resume and I look at how long they've been at a job, I look if they've bounced around different places. And when I looked at this resume yesterday, for example, I saw the young lady had been at this job for four years, which is fine, not, not six months and hopping around. Obviously, she can hold a job. I looked at the qualifications of what she did. I was looking for a mortgage processor, by the way. And when I talked to her on the phone, I asked certain questions to find and the, and the answers to those questions tell me everything I need to know. Now, first of all, i I'm not beating around the bush. You know I first of all find out, I directly ask, what are you making right now? How's your pay structured? now they, they stutter, you can tell they're lying, but if they come out and tell you, then they're 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 seriously, you know they they want a new new position, they're looking for something different because then they ask the question, what are you looking for? Why are you looking for a different change? Why are you looking for a different you know uh, career or company to work for? And their answers tell you everything you need to know, but it's the right questions that you have to ask. The other thing I talk about is the fact that, listen, working here, we just want the job done. Time, Working, putting time in does not matter as much as getting the job done. And we want you to wake up every morning and show up to work as the most valuable person possible. And then I will help you grow, but you just have to be willing. And I'm not gonna be easy on you. I am gonna be hard on you, but it's all coming from a heart of wanting to make you better and bring greatness out that you may not even know you have inside of you. And if you just lay the principles down like that and and really uh, set the expectations properly, things become so much easier because I'll scare people away a lot by doing that. And that's fine. I want them to tell me on that first call or first interview. And so, as a matter of fact, prior to the one from yesterday, I just had a call last week. And the, the young lady said, that doesn't sound like it's for me. And that's what I wanted to hear.
0: Better to know that then than know it three months in or whatever else to a business. It's funny. One of the, when I work with startup businesses, they get their first funding, you know, they could get, it could be an angel investment, could be series A, whatever. One of the first things they do is they go out and buy expensive people. The number of times I've gone into businesses where they've gone and bought the the well into six figures sales director from the bigger company. And then that person lands, doesn't sell a thing for six to 12 months and it's causing all sorts of problems because culturally doesn't fit. And you know it's it's it comes back to you know you want to make those decisions early because they can a business at certain stages, particularly at the beginning, that can kill a
1: business so quickly. The other thing with that is is that when you pay for something, you tend to resent it. So what I've noticed is, is I bring someone in and their entry level or you know i don't I don't pay it on a leg for them, but they're willing to learn. they have a great attitude, and I work with them and develop them. And then they make all of my employees make more money than they've ever made in their life. Every single one of them is making, There's not one here that's making less than they've ever made. They didn't necessarily start that way. And the other thing, so, so when I bring somebody in, I've done it in the past. I feel like I'm being held over a barrel. I start to resent them. I don't enjoy my life. I don't enjoy going to work and I don't want those kind of people in my organization. But the other thing is, is that we don't give raises in our organization for like, if you stay in the same position, we don't give a a salary raise ever. We can't, you, you stay at the same salary. However, this changed everything too for us, by the way, Nick. We have an unlimited income potential in our office, in our in our, in our group. Everybody is encouraged to sell loans and bring business in the door. Even if you're not licensed, you can get a referral fee. You bring business in the door. You're asking everybody. And what happened is, is that even our support staff is bringing revenue into the company and they're paying their own salaries. But they're also getting paid on top of their regular pay. And so it's a win-win situation. And so really what I have is I have great customer support great customer service, and it's not costing me anything because I taught my support staff how to sell.
0: That's cool. Because you said beforehand, you said something like 800% improvement. I think that was the figure you mentioned earlier. Because the question I've got around that, what was it like before that? Did you did you inherit something that wasn't working or did you just not have this playbook or this thinking as well dialed
1: in as it is now? I it's It comes from us, our mindset growth, um, our knowledge yeah. growth. But what happened was we used to – rely on how good we were at our job rather than being known. So the best company wins. I mean, I'm sorry, the best known company wins. It's not the best product. It's not the best service. It's the person that's best known. We didn't know that. We had a great product. We knew what, what we were doing in the mortgage business. We knew all that. But we would sit around sometimes and say, how is so-and-so blowing it up and he just got in the business? Like, this is horse crap. Like, this is not good. I, like, I don't, I don't understand this. And we would sit around and look at each other. This is years, a few years ago. And we just couldn't figure it out. But then we got in um, basically studying how businesses grow, uh, really doing research, reading books, going to mentorships, and found out that, guess what? It's, dude, it's, our problem is is that nobody knows who we are or people forget about us. And as my mentor, Grant Cardone, says all the time, you got to get out of obscurity. And if nobody knows you, they won't flow you. So we figured that part out. And then we started teaching that amongst our team. And when that we did that, that's that's what changed everything. So we were making money before and paying our bills, but it wasn't a situation where every single employee in our company was making more money than they've ever made. I'm not as worried about myself. I'm worried about them. I want to see them succeed. And by the way, too, we shifted a focus on not just worrying about our company's goals, but making sure we understand our employees' professional, personal, and financial goals and making sure we're in alignment with those. And, you know, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. Brandon Dawson, I don't know if you've ever heard of Brandon Dawson. Brandon Dawson really taught, I, I was already doing that to, a, to an extent, but I became more aware of it and focused on the fact that you need alignment with your employees and your company vision.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. And, and, and a lot of what you're touching on here is the culture of the business, you know, as well, because you've got behaviors, you've got, you know, all sorts of values that are being driven through those behaviors as you're explaining it. Um, which seems like there's a massive change just in that because cause I found that when I used to work in the world of corporate many years ago, it'd be funny how many people would be like you know literally running out the door at 5 p.m. as soon as the bell rang, so to speak. and I always used to think back then, what are they doing at quarter to five? Because they're Check.
1: not working. No, they, they already quit. They they checked that. Yeah,
0: exactly. And and you know the best companies I've worked with some really some amazing companies where everyone's behind the vision. They all feel incentivized behind that, both from a mission perspective, from a financial perspective. And if you can get that working, that's when that's when you start to create value and create sustainability for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean I have people working at one in the morning. Sometimes I'll see emails going out, and I don't require that for of them. But they're they're working whenever they need to, and it's just an awesome thing because they see it's a bigger purpose than just making a paycheck. You know, and, yeah. uh, you know, it's a, it's a great feeling. It's the best culture, by the way, like we just started, it was one person or two people, me and my best friend started this company and we developed, now we're up to 40 employees and doing, you know, we're pushing $12 million in revenue, uh, a year American. And so for, from just starting that as two employees, not knowing what the hell we were doing to getting to where we are now and then planning on scaling even further, obviously we have big, big goals. Uh, it's pretty exciting. And what's and what have you found with as you've as
0: your profile was grown and the influence of you personally has grown, have you seen an impact on that
1: in the business as well? Yeah, because now what we're our focus with this it creates an attraction model. In our business, we're trying to get an attraction of customers that want to work with us because they see the What Are You Made Of movement. They see that what we're helping people, and then also not just our customers but the real estate agents that send us their customers. We want to train them how to get more business, how to make more money. We build them as people. They want to send their clients to us, and then our employees and our recruits. We want to. They want to be a part of this culture. They're they're like I don't have to go chase people to work here. I don't have to chase customers or real estate agents. They're coming to us more now. So it's changed everything. And you know, uh, yeah. that, it's a it's a cool. great great spot to be in, brother. And you know what it's like.
0: Well, it's funny. One of my mentors is a guy called Daniel Priestley. He's quite well known over here in the UK. He's Australian actually as well. But he he talks about in every industry, there's a key person of influence. And that key person of influence attracts opportunities, be that business, be that employees, be that partnerships, funding, whatever you need. And if you can make yourself or you can, you know, do the work to become that person, that, you know, the idea of having to go out there and hunt doesn't mean you, you can't be hungry. and doesn't mean you can't be diligent and focused and all the good things of that hunting relentless hunting and and door slamming a lot of that you know goes away because people are coming to you
1: yeah and you but I'd still like to do it just because I want to keep my uh my axe sharp yeah. so to speak um <laughs> the edge, I, I don't ever want to get complacent <laughs> or comfortable by the way I could talk all day I got tons of stories to tell you of where I came from and why I'm where I am but you know I've been in a place before rock bottom uh in business where I never want to go to again I don't ever want to feel that feeling again and that drives me as well but uh but before we go, like one thing Uh, I mentioned Grant Cardone. I'm a Cardone licensee. So one of the things as well, besides the mortgage business, and we build our people, we focus on building other business people and salespeople as well. And we want to really reach out. And and again, it's a focus of mine. I want to help people be better. And so we have a thing called Waymo Crew, which is a private coaching Mm -hmm. group that is uh, really starting to blow up. And it's awesome to see the, the results we're getting outside of our own mortgage group because it's one thing to do it there but to go out and expand into other industries it's it's very fulfilling and that's something that you launched that you founded yes yes waymo is short for what are you made of so that's where that came from and so yeah, we call it the waymo crew and that's the private coaching group and once somebody's in there one time and if they they exit that's fine they're still part of the waymo crew so it's a following and uh you know, it's it's really cool and we also call it waymo people building so we're building people, man. And there's so many people out there that need this. There's, there's, there's an unlimited amount of people that need somewhere in those eight categories that I went over. They need help.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, listen, we'll make sure we make reference of that in the show notes and all that stuff so people, if they're interested, can connect with you, connect with that, and all those sort of things as well. So a couple of questions to finish off. So first and foremost, um, that you said beforehand, wanting to influence 5 million people this year through your movement, all that sort of stuff. What's the plan? So obviously you got the podcast that's growing, that's awesome. I said I've been on it, loved it. What else are you do? So
1: first of all, podcast is one thing you can you know reach tons of people that way. The other thing is yeah. being around people that already have followings. And really, this is a little little tip for people. It's not something you go to them and ask for something. And I know people have heard this before, but I go to people and see what I can do to help them. How can I be valuable to them? What kind of thing can I do for them? And I'll give you an example with this. So when I Got my team onto Cardone University, which is a sales training platform that my team does every single day. I told the guys at Cardone's office that I wanted to be a beacon of light and I wanted to be an example and a case study for them because my job every morning when I wake up is to make them look good. One, it validates my purchase with them. So it's kind of selfish. But what happens is is that not just them, but any vendor that I use in my business, I strive to make their product look great by doing my part. It's a two-way street and nobody does things this way. Everybody's always looking for the person they bought something from to, to do their job. And if they don't do their job, it's their fault. Or if the product doesn't work, it's their fault. But what about your side of it? What are you doing to make it successful? So what I do is I try to, to go to places where people have followings. I'll buy from them. I'll invest in them. And I'll ask what I can do to help them. I'll get customers for them. I'll talk them up. I'll do whatever I can do to help them. And then turn, I would hope, that somehow I can tag along somehow, and 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 have uh, you know some exposure to their following, and you know it's genuine, but it's first, first and foremost helping and add value first. Yeah,
0: and a lot of people forget that because they, it's, I, I'm seeing a bit of a change on that because people there's this, this idea, this concept of help without expectation. I don't necessarily think that's true, right? Because let's be honest, it may not be a direct expectation, but you know, even as you said beforehand, if someone sends you a note and that inspires you. You've got something from what you've done, right? Oh, that, so that. there's all this thing about, so, you know, helping without, you're helping with expectation just depends what that is. But my view is if you want to make a bigger impact, you've got to use the resources that you have around you to be able to get that message out there. And so I, this is what I've always believed. I've got partnerships now, conversations like we're having, you know, all of these things start coming together. You start to actually meet a lot of like-minded people, And do you know what? if that means that my message gets out to millions and millions of people and it starts to change things, right? You know, I always talk about entrepreneurship as being a force for good. And I've got a big passion around trying to help people in developing countries. If, if by using those networks, to me, that's just being strategic. Yeah. Cause you know, you, you've got to be able to be able to do that and use the resources that you have available to you.
1: Listen, it's okay to do something for someone without expectation. It's okay to do that. That's charity. Okay. That's charity and charity you should do, but in business, there's got to be some kind of exchange to complete a cycle. If you mm. think about it, there, if you do something for someone and there's nothing in return, it's open-ended. And in life, life doesn't work that way. Life needs completed cycles so that you can move on to the next thing. And if you keep letting things be undone all over the place, then it gets confusing and chaos uh, starts to happen. So, yeah. no, I don't have any problem. And I'm, I, I tell people that. Like, listen, I I, I want to have a relationship with you. Relationships are two-way streets. I'm going to start, and I'm going to put in first. Yeah,
0: I want people to hear that. So everyone listening to the podcast, listen to that because you know it doesn't matter what that is. It can be employees, it can be suppliers, customers, clients. But if you if you, I always say, if you show up with a um, a, a psychology, a view of service, you know, I'm here to serve, right? And actually, what will happen from then is you'll be surprised. A lot of people, in fact, I can say this honestly. I didn't have that thinking or that, that mindset, you know, five, 10 years ago, you know, for me, it was about where I could get to what I could get soon yep. as that shift changed, everything changed. So I want people to listen to your message on that because it's a powerful one. It certainly works for me as well.
1: Yeah, I agree, man. I was wondering why things weren't going where they wanted to go when I wasn't that way.
0: That's funny, isn't it? It's just a massive shift. All right, man. So I've got three questions for you. Three questions to finish off. So first one, it's a bit of a quick fire rounds, right? Best piece of advice you've ever been given by who and what was it?
1: Um, there's a lot, but this is, this is always my favorite. And I like to keep things simple. My stepdad, George, I told you about, he always yeah. used to tell us if you do good things, good things happen. If you do bad things, bad things happen. But simple as that.
0: I love simple. I love simple things though. I do. Cause sometimes we make people like to make things too complex. And sometimes it's the small adages like that that make the difference. Cool. Okay. Equally. The worst piece of advice. You don't have to say who this is by if you don't want to. (laughs) But you know, a bit of advice and 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 to have a bit of fun that perhaps you followed that advice and then you realized it was
1: crap. (laughs) Well, I can tell you this. This is this is the first thing that came to mind. So that's what I'll say. So uh I had a business business mentor, his name's Joe, great guy. Um and he would go through things in his business and he would share with me what he's going through. And he's tried to get big. When I was working with him, actually, I worked for him for a while, he was trying to get big. And then some things happened in the company and what have you, and people left. And then he said, you know what, man, the best thing to do is stay small. After he started to grow, he's like, man, we got to stay small. You know, it's better off. You don't have anything to worry about this and that. To me, that was the worst piece of advice. He didn't mean to give me bad advice. But the thing to me, as I know, is if you don't go big or try to grow, eventually gravity will pull you down to the ground. And I've seen it over and over again. So no offense to him. I love him to death and he means well. But I think he's 110% wrong with staying small and not trying to improve or grow all the time. And it's not about, no. it's not about being greedy or not being satisfied as far as like a, a, a vice or a bad thing. It's, it's about trying to avoid that, that gravity pulling you back down to earth. I want to go into orbit, Nick. That's what I'm trying to do. So
0: no, Well, one of my mentors said to me, if you're not growing, you're dying and in fact I just did a podcast I recorded one before speaking to you today which is about what do you do if your business is in plateau because I think you know I I meet people all the time who kind of get into plateau for years I mean literally years and then they're in this all sorts of stress and whatever else and I think you know the thing is you've got to be growing because growing means that you can do more things you can help people out you can make a bigger difference so I get you in fact it's quite funny there's a lot of people out there who call themselves business mentors or coaches who give bad advice it's a one of my pet hates but is what it
1: is
0: (laughs) all right last question for you mate um if you could change one thing i think i know the answer one thing in the world right that you massively believe in you think would make a massive difference what is that one
1: thing man you put the pressure on me now thinking you know the answer and i got to think about what that is (laughs) Uh, (laughs) from the heart mate i know i I know you're going to answer this well i mean really (laughs) really just the the waymo rule number one has got to be the thing man is to people to really wrap their heads around setbacks or fuel and training sessions, no matter what you go through is a training session for your future, man. If you, it it literally will change your life, man. And I, I can't stress that enough. And that's why I had that written on the wall back there.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I thought you'd say. <laughs> I'm glad I got it right. I be- No, listen, I believe that though. the thing about it is, and you said, it, that's why I like the the way you framed your story at the beginning of our conversation today. Cause, cause I believe that a lot of people see setbacks, as this thing that can drag them down they see it as this oh my god my life is over right they don't realize at the time because obviously it's really painful whatever else but you know i've looked back at all the things that have happened in my life i'm sure you're the same and i go wow man what gifts were they right you know i didn't get that job and then all of a sudden something showed up issues at home you know which then got me moving overseas to meet my wife and have my kids again you know other things would have happened but those are the things that ignited that. That's an exercise. So that's,
1: that's, that's, that's an exercise you can actually do is if you write down on the left side of a paper all the bad things that happened in your life and then to the right of it, write down like what good came from it. And I guarantee you, you will not have blank spaces on the right. It does I tried it. I don't I don't see how it could happen, but people don't think about that. So it's a great no, exercise no. to do.
0: Love it. All right. See Rock, Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. How can people um, reach you? We've mentioned a couple of things today. We'll put it all in the show notes, but uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch? Uh,
1: first of all, Nick, before I do that, I want to thank you very much for having me on the show. Uh, I love the show gratitude and I thank you for coming on my show. And if there's anything I can ever do for you, let me know, but at Mikey C rock on Instagram, Mikey C rock with no K C R O C. And also the Mike C rock with no K.com.
0: Awesome, man. Well, listen, I appreciate that. Love your story. Love that you've come here today to serve, to help the community here. And I know there were so many different things today. We talked about building teams, building people. We talked about your story. It's always the nuggets and the insights which can make the biggest difference. So thanks for coming on the show, mate. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, man. Appreciate you, man.